Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You know who this is and you should know where you are. This is Tyler Schaff and today I am back once again being the co-host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's because Michael Crash Marino is back <laughs> on the airwaves. He's alive. He's alive. I'm back alive and out of the damn hospital. Yeah, here we are. I made him get a doctor's note from his wife. He's married to a physician. I made him get a note. <laughs> said, I'm not talking business with you until Janelle says it's okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, um, it's, uh... Well, tell us what happened. I gave him the the 30,000 yard view <laughs> speech. It's, it's been a fun few weeks. Yeah. So uh, my old buddy from Noah came in town and he's, you know, he lives in Orlando, Florida. And, uh, we were going to go skiing, snowboarding together, and it was a blizzard. And my buddy's like, man, I've, I've never skied in powder before. It's blizzarding. Let's do it. Stupid <laughs> me. I'm like, he's got a good point. It's fresh powder, right? Sure. Let's do it. So everything was looking great. Got Until we got to the top, could barely see the, my friend who's four feet away from me. <laughs> it's like zero, zero viz. And uh, what we didn't think about is, you know, powder, anybody who skied in powder knows it's great, except when it's three feet deep. Yep. Then it's like quicksand. And uh, we, we soon learned that, you know, um, anybody who's a snowboarder knows when you snowboard or even ski in powder, like your stance, everything is different. <laughs> well, yes. well, if you don't switch to that kind of the powder mode, um, bad things happen. And that's what happened to me. It's going down the slope. Couldn't see anything, like nothing. Couldn't see the shadows of the snow. Everything, it was kind of weird. Just kind of like floating in space of just black and white. Because anyway, it was a blizzard, right? Blizzard was going on. Uh, yeah, it was a great idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I caught an edge because I, was, I wasn't skiing in the, um, the powder position. Uh, landed on my head with the helmet, thank God. And then uh, I had a fist made and the fist jammed into my abdomen just the right way where I, it caused internal bleeding. And uh, I, I like, I'm a kind of a prideful person. I'm like, Dave, I'm fine. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, then we kept going and halfway down. Uh, I, this is my first time I had like internal bleeding, like shock in the body. Well, apparently right. the body takes a few minutes to realize, oh, this is bad. We need to I'm shut leaking. down. <laughs> yes, I'm leaking. <laughs> So we got halfway down and then, oh, something did not feel right. And uh, anyway, I started vomiting blood, which I thought was a sign of a concussion. So I'm like, oh, great. Oh, great. Um, needless to say, ski patrol got me down. Uh, blood pressure spiked to 220. My head felt like it was going to explode. Um, they rushed me to the emergency room. They decided they need to cut me open to make sure I didn't uh, damage my pancreas or other internal organs. So... Now I've got about a 10-inch scar in my, in my abdomen. Oh, you're like a pirate. Uh, yeah, I lost the saber fight, though. It's okay. No, you won. You're still here to talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <That's> right. <laughs> so good news is no internal injuries. I j just can't work quite yet because I've, I've got to heal up. So uh, needless to say, don't snow in a blizzard. Don't go surfing in a hurricane. I thought that was cool, too. Not a good idea. Right. <laughs> lessons well learned yeah so, so guys in this episode we're going to kind of take a little bit of a turn 
than the usual discussion. And this is going to be more of a holistic type, yeah, personal finance type conversation that we're going to have because we've, I had a very bad accident back in 2012 where I shattered my leg, uh, my right leg. I was told I wouldn't walk again. I was told I had to, they were going to set, cut the leg off, amputate. It was bad. And so I've been where Mike is. I, mine, I mean, it's a debate whether or not it was one, one of those was more severe than the other, but Mike will be back up and running here in a few weeks. I was down for six months, bed rest, couldn't walk, no weight bearing. Yeah, yours is worse. Right. Uh, income levels are about the same back then. I make, I made back then, I worked for Noah, and with overtime, I made what about Mike makes as a pilot. So, right, you know, all things created equal. The difference is, is that I did not have any resources back then because I was coming out of a rough patch in my life financially. Uh, Mike, fortunately, being conservative in, in how he spends his money and what he does with the money he does make, Mike, you had resources set up. So I kind of want to run through starting with like sick leave, what that looks like so we can kind of break it all down. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, I'll start to give a little more frame of reference. So I woke up after surgery, completely drugged up, put on my phone, and I found out my airline is potentially going bankrupt. So it was just a one-two punch. So initially I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I got sick leave, everything's great, until I find out that my airline might be going belly up. Um, and obviously uh, that adds a lot more stress to the whole situation. Because sick leave is great. Um, we also have long-term disability. So if I can't fly, uh, the long-term disability insurance will pay me until 65, which is okay. That's, that's great. However, the fine print, I didn't realize this until last week is if the airline goes bankrupt, uh, you get nothing. It's over. The wow. cord is cut. Yeah. So it was a major awakening to, I wish I had more passive income. Yeah. So I want to stop there for a second because I think you made some valid points that may have shocked a lot of folks. Those of you listening to this episode, maybe you have a job, maybe you're self-employed, whatever it may be, but he's got a sick leave, accrued sick leave that would last quite a long time because you don't take a lot, of, you never get sick. You're very healthy. So lots and lots of sick leave. That's great. Short-term and long-term disability available through the airline. The caveat there, the contingency is on the existence of the company. So you could say, oh, my company will never fail. Well. Buddy, unless you work for Coca-Cola, I would disagree because uh, here's a case where the airline goes under or may is looks like it's going to go under, going to go bankrupt. Not only will Mike be looking for a pilot job, which he already is, but he'll be looking for it, those benefits fade away, um, which when you told me that, that was shocking to me. I thought those benefits, at least the short and long-term disability would survive because I, I know that they're usually underwritten by an insurance company, but. So guys listening to the show, if you're currently with an employer and you're saying, I'm all good because I've got this cushy job or not cushy job, but whatever, you got great benefits, you need to get in with your benefits person in HR and find out, give them specific what ifs. I know you're not going to sit down and read the entire prospectus of your health plan. I don't expect you to, or your disability insurance coverage, but I want you to pick up the phone and call or reach out to whoever, better yet, do it by email so you have documentation whoever your plan administrators and find out, Hey, if the company goes haywire and I have an accident, what happens? Because what you may find is the same thing that Mike found out. Uh, these things are content, completely contingent on the company staying in business. Thoughts on that, Mike? A lot. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. 
those who don't know to the to apply to another airline takes about takes about nine months. Wow, it's a very lengthy process. Letters of recommendation and very lengthy. Um, thankfully, my company's not out of business yet, so they'll keep me going until the next airline. But I tell you, Tyler, applying for another job was painful. Like you know, I wish I didn't have to work for somebody else to survive. Right. You know, I do have some passive income but not enough to be completely financially free. Right. Um, and, and, and in your case too, I mean, you've discovered even when you are financially free and have multiple sources of income, all those sources are not guaranteed either, right? Well, yeah, and I went through that this year. Where I took a big hit this year uh, where one of my streams went dry, basically. Through no, no fault of my own, I was invested essentially passively in a whole bunch of uh, notes. And those notes just went by the way, the income from those notes just went by the wayside. It, it didn't get mad even thinking about it, but it's like um, that put a big hit on Jill and I, because we depended on both the, the predictable stream of income, those notes generated. And then when we sold those assets or you know, the assets that we had owned that came from those notes, they got sold out from under us. And that's a whole long story. And I don't want to get into that right now because it's, we got some, I'm going to probably be bringing some legal action soon. And uh, my, I know my attorneys don't want to get into that too much, but bottom line is we had a big, nice fat monthly stream of income coming in for many, many years that we got comfortable. We got used to our rental properties. We converted all of them at this point. Well, all but four, six, a total of six properties, but those other properties were owned by the ones I have with other people are, I have owned properties owned with other people. And then Jill and I have what we own, just the two of us. And the properties that we co-own with other people, there's a mix of problems going on with those. But we were passive investors in those. And we come to find out that the people that we passively invested with, let's just say, could have made better business choices. Full disclosure, in that regard, as far as our passive investments, I was asleep at the wheel because I was focused on building our own fund and building our, our life and whatnot and doing our thing. And I thought, you know, with passive investment, you really don't have to think about it a lot. And you really can't because in a passive investment, they don't let you make decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the third wheel, which, so I really understand like our investors, how they feel because I'm one too. I'm just like them uh, and other people's deals and, and syndicates. So when those income streams dry up and like your airline gig dries up, then what, right? Because can't count on these insurances, no matter what you say. I remember the Aflac duck made it all sound like her goose. Oh, everything's covered with Aflac. Mm -hmm. Nah, not really. Uh, <laughs> Only when things are ideal. Recently, I'm a little off topic, but on topic, I I sold off some stuff. I'm trying to get rid of clutter in my life. And up at the cabin, I had some things, antiques and stuff that I just don't want anymore. I don't even know why I bought them. They're in the way. So I stuck them up on eBay to see what they'd bring. And they all sold. And I shipped them off. And uh, one of them didn't, apparently didn't, according to UPS or USPS, it delivered. According to the receiver, it did not deliver. So it was either a porch pirate at Christmas time stole it or the guy's lying and it never, it actually did show up and he got to pocket it, but he complained to eBay instead of coming to me and saying it hasn't shown up yet. He just files a claim with eBay. Well, that's cool. Cause I got, I put insurance on it through USPS. Well, I submit a claim and USPS says we show that it's been delivered case closed. I'm like, well, I understand that your mail carrier Mark checked the box delivered with the little handheld computer, but it's not there. 
well, that's there's no, that's all you have. That's the only recourse you have. It's like, so that insurance that I bought is completely useless and I wound up having to refund the customer. So I'm out. And it was like, you know, 800 bucks out the window. We as a society are getting way too complacent on thinking that we're all good to go and we've got all these insurance and coverages and, and everything's safe and secure and it's not. I felt it this year, Mike, you're feeling it right now. So what do we do? What's the answer? How do we, what, how are you able to talk about this without freaking out and breaking into tears? How am I able to talk about this without freaking out and breaking into tears? What's the one thing such that everything else becomes easier or necessary? Multiple streams. Multiple streams. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, you have, you're, you're married. Your wife does very well for herself. You have other investments. I have other investments. Some of those are liquid. Others are illiquid. Um, some of those generate monthly income. Others sit there and wait until they're needed. And I don't know about you, man, but when all that hit the fan for me, that was like, like this year when I, I kind of had a one, two punch, I had the note thing fell apart. And at the same time, my short-term rentals went empty this summer. I mean, we enjoyed, we had ridiculous months, uh, during the, the previous years, all through COVID, we just killed it. And this summer and fall, it's like crickets. Now we're full booked again, thank goodness. But absolute crickets. And that, again, put another hit in our income. Uh, so that's kind of freaky. Yeah. I, I feel like the big lesson today is you must constantly pivot. Constantly pivot and adapt. Yep. For example, you know, uh, I'm sure everybody on here gets a lot of emailed newsletters from other syndicates, right? Mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of them lately are switching. They're pivoting. Uh, One in particular was very big in multifamily. Now they're talking about self-storage before they were talking about parking lots. At at first, you know, years ago, before we started to have the syndicate, I always thought, well, what do do these guys know what they're doing? They're constantly pivoting. But what this has taught me, and obviously your lessons too in 2012 when you got hurt, you had to pivot and have a different source of income. I know you had a big eBay business then. Right. Constantly pivoting is survival. And I think, you know, in the past few years, we've had a really good economy. Everything's been peaches and roses. Well, we always thought, well, just do one thing and you'll be fine. Invest in the stock market or Bitcoin and everything's going to be wonderful. Go to college, get a great job. Everything will oh, be fine. Oh, yeah, that one, that one too. Yep. Yeah. I still look at my mother and shake my head when she gives me that one. <laughs> But the average American, I heard this is so important. Oh, it yeah. is. I just heard this this stat a couple of years ago, and it, it rings true today. The average American, this is still true. The average American, and this stat came from 2018, cannot get through a $400 emergency without using credit or borrowing. So I did some research on if that is what if that is still true, and if it is true, what is the real number today? The number has actually dropped in half. The real number today is 200. The average person in America, imagine average American cannot get through, they cannot produce $200 cash on a moment's notice for an emergency without going into credit. Now, people are like, ah, BS, I got $200 cash, talk about the average. So if you take the America and half and half it, half the people, let's say, and actually the stat is around 52%, cannot get through a $200 or more emergency without having to dip into credit or borrow from friends. That's terrifying, if you think about it. It is. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you probably noticed in the past uh, 
don't know, nine months, we've been switching from strictly real estate to instead small business ownership. You know, we brought in a broker for franchises. Uh, we're about to bring in a good friend of mine who is a owner of a, he owns a hostel in town. He owns the uh, artificial turf company in town. He, he dabbles in all these little things. And looking back, it's very important just to hear all the options, right? Uh, for example, when I first read about the, my uh, airline going out, first thing I thought about is maybe I should call that finance uh, franchise broker that we spoke to just to see what options there are. Maybe to start a little something on the side with low money down to something that with, uh, doesn't require too much time. Can't hurt. Everything right. that we've learned through this podcast, this is the time to look at the, all of our episodes and be like, hmm. I have a lot of options. You have a lot of options if you're listening. Absolutely. It's, it's not like you just have a W-2 and if you get laid off, you got to find another job, another airline job. I, I don't have to. Now that we have the resources to say, oh, we have all these other options from all these small business opportunities. Right. You know, I would rather have, and Larry Harbolt taught me this. He said he'd rather have a hundred bucks from a thousand people oh. than a big fancy job. Oh, yeah. Because if you think about it, it's hard to lose a thousand different streams of income as compared to just one. Yeah. Statistically, the chance of failure when you have a thousand and I know a thousand is a big reach and all that. I'm just throwing that out there for a number, but a hundred bucks. How Russell Brunson made his, makes his money is $97 a month. Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't take big hits to get rich. It takes lots of smaller successful ones. I see this down in Key West. I've really been focused on small business down in Key West. You got the guy that has the, owns like food carts. He buys these food carts. It's like a steamer for hot dogs and some buns and whatnot. We're talking about a $5,000 capital investment. He gets an annual permit from the city for a couple hundred bucks. And then he hires somebody that's got a decent personality and puts them out there in the street selling hot dogs from around four o'clock till four in the morning. And each one of those carts makes six figures a year net after paying the guy, their girl that's serving the hot dogs. Selling hot dogs on the street. Wow. Yes. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in gross revenue, over 100K net revenue. Because when you're drunk on Duval Street at 2 a.m., you don't care <laughs> that that hot dog is eight bucks. <laughs> wow. Oh, you want a soda? That'll be four bucks. So his profit margins are insane. Home service businesses, we talked about that. We're going to talk more about different types of home service businesses, franchises. A lot of these things can be started with nothing but an idea and a small amount of money. Crash pads. Interestingly enough, Mike, we we're having a conversation today I'd like to share with the folks about how you moved out of your crash pad in Vegas because you're not flying temporarily. Now, normally it'd be like, well, shit, now I've got an empty bed. But nope, you, got a, you, don't, you have a waiting list. So you didn't have an empty bed. You wound up leasing out that bed anyway. Yeah, I made a phone call and now I'm getting money off that bed that I'm not sleeping in right now. <laughs> exactly. And the crash pad is a great example because you didn't have to put out hundreds of thousands of dollars to eke a return. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours a week getting this done. And you had said something about you felt you needed to be there to get the trash, take the trash out and kind of mother hen the place. How's that working now that you can't travel? I called up, uh, I called up the cleaners. Who, by the way, I pay them on time. I pay them more. I, I paid her a big Christmas bonus. 
And I think, I'd like to think that because of that, I'm on good rapport. I said, right. hey, you know, would, would you mind just taking the trash out? Would you mind uh, cleaning the mildew off the grout? Just little extra things. And it was done. So then I just called up one of my uh, pilot friends in the crash pad. I said, how is the place? Oh, the place is spotless. No problem at all. I'm like, I haven't been there in six weeks. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. So I, I thought I had to mother hen, like you said, but it turns out it's kind of just running its own thing. As long as I have and take care of a good team that support me. That's the key. I went through that phase when I, when Jill quit her job, when I, cause I retired before Jill, the first go around and then Jill retired. And when Jill retired, I, she was like, she wants to go travel around the country full time. And my knee jerk reaction was, I can't leave the, the area because I've got these properties I got to deal with. I've got, you know, I got this, I got that. I, I'm selling real estate in this town. How could I possibly do that if I'm not here? And needless to say, I wound up traveling anyway. And I found out that while I was away, I actually make more money. When I go to the cabin, I make more money when I'm at the cabin than I do anywhere else. <laughs> I swear. Because all of a sudden, clients call me out of the blue, say, hey, sell my stuff, or I want to buy a house in Key West. And I find that when I'm not in Key West, is when I sell the most. I just closed the $1.3 million deal in Key West. That lead came in while I was at the cabin. And the, I was, I went there for closing because that's a big payday, you know, one commission on 1.3 million is 40 grand, but, uh, half of my, our half of it anyway, at least myself and uh, my business partner, but still it's like when I realized that I don't have to be as hands-on as I think I need to be, that was a game changer for me. That's where I got on board with starting service businesses because I don't have to work in them. I just need to work on them and I don't have to really, but you bring the right team in place, just like your crash pad. You don't have to really work on them that much because they don't need that much squeezing and loving. They don't, but I, I want to go back to what we talked about, the, the pivoting, right? What's the weakest link of a crash pad? If there's no airline, there's no pilots to stay in the crash pad. True. So even though I got to run it now, this whole experience of crashing and burning on the ski slopes and now I'm, my airline's going bankrupt makes me realize I can't, you, you constantly have to be looking for opportunity. You can't stop. Right. You can't stop and get complacent because it's very easy once the money starts coming in, right? Right. Now, guys, whether you're a real estate person or whatever you're doing with your, with your money, think about different avenues for that. For example, if you're going to do real estate, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that residential is the best or multifamily is the best or commercial is the best or land is the best. I personally think everybody should own some vacant land. It doesn't hurt. It's relatively, unless you buy it in like a big metropolis city, you buy some out, some out on the country, buy a little piece of land, even a sliver lot, because you can't, you'll never believe how much those things will appreciate. You got an extra five grand by laying around, go buy a lot somewhere and just forget that you even bought it, right? It's a great savings account. Get you some precious metal, some silver and gold. Get into some of this stuff. You know, Bitcoin just went back up again and I was way upside down. I didn't put much into it, but uh, I was way upside down in Bitcoin and it's righted itself. And now I'm back in the green again, or I guess in the black is what they say. But uh, because it's regained itself, and it went back to where it was when I, when I bought it and then some. So the reason why I didn't suffer a loss on the cryptocurrency is because I did not sell it when it was down. Thought about it. I thought it's just annoying to get the emails. I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of it. I don't care. I could take a loss, whatever. Uh, but because we're not talking about a lot of money. And then I forgot about it. 
And then lo and behold, I happened to look at the price of Bitcoin one day and, and the other cryptocurrencies, as in like Shiba, Inu, and whatever. I was like, oh my God, they've gone back up and they've appreciated. Sweet. So I, now I'm like, I want to get while the getting's good. I dumped it and got rid of it. Uh, same thing with real estate. We're look, Jill and I are looking at our portfolio going, some of our assets we're gonna get, are probably going to get sold. Because, and this is what you have to do, and this is holistic. You have to look at the resources that you have in place, look at the assets you have in place, and sometimes things need to go. Uh, example, I had a whole bunch of 100-ounce silver bars, and I decided that it was time to, uh, to unload those silver bars because I, got a, I was offered a ridiculous deal on a different type of silver, silver uh, coins, silver eagles. And I had bought the silver bars so long ago, the spread was massive on the silver. So I was able to get rid of the silver, recapitalize, put some of that money into the other type of silver I wanted to get, which is more, it's easier to sell and easier to store. And then the rest of it I put into vacant land, a couple different pieces of vacant land to kind of spread the wealth a little bit. And already, and that was, I don't know, a year ago, that land has gone up in value by double. Wow. And you're not doing anything with it? No, it's just sitting there. I have a couple little tiny lots up in North Florida, and I just bought them and sat on them. Because why not? They were cheap. And already they've doubled in value. Heck, my cabin has quadrupled in value. And I bought that place in 2015. Quadrupled in value. Which is unbelievable to me. And that's what the investors are offering me. I can't imagine what it would sell for on the open market. I have no intention on selling it. In fact, I'm going to maybe buy another 40 acres here soon, but uh, next door I heard is coming up for sale and I'm going to be first in line. But uh, yeah, I mean, guys, getting your stuff, getting stuff going, you know, invest in a lawn business, but have somebody else cut the grass. You know, you got a guy in your neighborhood that's cutting the grass and, you know, if you're going to push lawnmower, make a deal with him. Maybe go into business with him and handle his marketing. If you've got marketing skill, handle how many accounts you got. 20. Well, that's not enough to make a living. Great. How about I invest in you and I'll bring, you can use, I'll, I'll hook you up my marketing team and we'll bring you more business and I'm going to take a piece of the profits. Maybe you can be the difference of getting him that one of them zero turn lawnmowers that those guys like driving in circles. Think about all the different businesses around you, right? Little e-bike rentals. That's getting popular. Like Salida, for example, Mike, you're in Salida, lots of hills in Salida. Riding a regular bike around there could be a challenge. Be nice to have an e-bike rental downtown. These are not huge businesses, guys. That you're not investing tons and tons of capital. Think about investing maybe in some home service businesses, maybe a business to business uh, situation, maybe a franchise of something. Uh, think about that. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, many small sources of income is what I'm learning. And That's right. uh, like I said, we're about to have John Fritz on. Uh, I think in like two weeks we're going to interview him. Like I said, he's. He says everything in this town. I'll add this. I know he'll tell the whole story, but I'll add this thing about him. When I learned John, about John, everybody in this town knows him. Everybody in this town loves him. When he came and put my artificial grass in, it was all local boys. And they, all, they all knew him. So just the fact that you know, you're you know, just a good person, you put yourself out there, you just meet people and you're always smiling. Eventually, you attract enough people, well, they will do anything to help you out. Uh, as a matter right. of fact, one of the hardest things about starting a small business, I know this for a fact, is coming up with, what am I going to do? That's the hardest part. I really recommend you talk to a friend, 
hell, you can talk to us, you know, uh, contact us, uh, managers at cashflowguys.com. Maybe we'll set up a call and just kind of run by, kind of pick your brain and maybe just talk it out, talk through right. Sometimes that's the easiest way to do it. Just talk to people and they kind of just pry that out of you. Oh, that is a good idea. I do have that resource. I do know this, you know, something secret about the town that it really needs. Huge help. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up right there. We hope you have a great week. I'm sure where everybody sitting at home is glad that Mike's alive and I don't have to go at this alone. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to partner with Janelle. Is she going to be mean to me or... <laughs> or worse, am I going to drive her crazy? Oh my God. You know, it's going to be a rough week. We can't lose Mike. He's too young now. And we're just getting started. She was but, mean uh, to me, by the way. Yep. She was not mean to you. That woman is an angel. The fact that she married you alone makes her an angel. <laughs> so, you guys, have a great week, and we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.